That's only the second time I've sung that song we just sang, but what a beautiful song. <clears throat> I'm going to have to learn that one. Good morning. That song was a, really a, a, a beautiful transition to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21, which I would like us to uh, read together. <clears throat> And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I was reminded this week that the Christian life, as we are taught it, meet it in the New Testament, it's really good advice. It's good advice, it's a lot of wisdom in the gospel, in the teaching of Jesus, in the pages of the New Testament. But without the power to live it, you know, we say, take this advice. Well, without the power to take it, without the power to live it out, that good advice is bad news. It is. The Christian life is not meant to be lived in our strength. It's, it's to be lived in the strength of the Lord. It's not meant to be lived by faith in ourselves. It's to be lived by faith in him. When Paul talks about living out life in our strength, which, by the way, is when we put faith in ourselves, he calls it the flesh. He talks about it, he describes it as the flesh. But when he talks about living in the strength of the Lord in his power. He talks about life in the spirit. Not faith in ourselves, faith in God. So the good news is that the advice of the New Testament, the advice of the gospel, the advice of Jesus is good news because it's really given with power. And that's what Paul is telling us here in verse 18, when he says, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. 
Now, this isn't the only place that Paul talks about being filled or being influenced by the Spirit. I don't want you to think that this is some idea that is obscure and tucked away in some corner. Hey, like, you know, when you pop into somebody's house and you say, hey, can I borrow that tool you have? And he says, yeah, where, where did I leave that? It's got to be here somewhere. That's nothing like what Paul is doing here when he says, be filled with the Spirit. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, all of verses 1 through 9 is contrasting our life with the life of the Spirit. That is, life lived in our strength, he calls the flesh, and life lived in God's strength, which he says is in the Spirit. And in verse 4, he uses these words. He says, talks about walking according to the Spirit which is like living according to the Spirit. Well, how should I do that? Give me instruction. And if you follow that instruction, then you do it according, right? Here Paul is saying we live our life according to the Spirit. And then again, in verse 5, he says we live our lives, and he describes again this life, this empowerment, when he says, set your mind on the things of the Spirit. In other words, you're thinking about these things. You're pondering them. You're reflecting upon them. Think how much time we spend thinking about things other than the things of God, other than the things of the Spirit, other than the impact of the gospel on our lives. We're taken up with all kinds of things each and every day that influence us, and as a person thinks, so is that person. As you think, so you are. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but you can test that yourself. I find that to be true. I've monitored my life pretty closely over the years. And I find that when I'm engaged in stinking thinking, I become a stinking thinking person, and it shows up in my attitude. It shows up in what you might call the spirit of my life, the countenance of my life, the words that I use, the way I see other people and the way I see circumstances and life. And it all begins with the way I'm thinking. But Paul says when we walk according to the Spirit, Romans 8, 4, and then we set our mind on the things of the Spirit, Romans 8, 5, he says it changes. It changes your thinking and it changes your attitude it changes the way you see people and see circumstances. It changes the spirit of your life. It changes the way you talk about things. And you know what I would say? It even introduces hope. And instead of being washed out and washed up and sad and depressed, 
like someone came into the room and opened a window and threw open the sashes or the, the blinds, let the light in, let the breeze in, and started cheering you up and saying, you know what, there's a whole other way of looking at this than the one that the world, the flash, provides you. But he didn't just talk about it in Romans chapter 8. He also took it up in his letter to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 5. And in verse 16, he uses that same kind of wording. He says, walk, which means live your life, conduct your life according to the Spirit. And then in verse 18, he says, he talks about being led by the Spirit. Being led. He talks about the Spirit and the flesh in Galatians 5. And he also takes it up in 1 Corinthians 2 in his letter to the Corinthians. All of chapter 2, all 16 verses of chapter 2 in his letter to the Corinthians is taken up with the difference between the version of ourselves lived in our own strength and the version that God has molded and shaped and provided for us in Jesus Christ through his resurrection. This is all new. This is a new humanity. And it is powered by God himself through the Holy Spirit. Acts 2 tells us that when Jesus ascended to the Father, and he did this by promise, the Holy Spirit was poured out in his, on his church. And the church was created. The church. And that new life is in Acts 2 new life. And people need to see that. They should see it, not just in the first disciples, but in these disciples. Otherwise, we're leading some kind of a hoax, some kind of counterfeit version of Christianity. I know all the advice but I'm trying to do it in my old strength. In some inferior version of myself that knows no resurrection power. You catch how important this is. In 1 Corinthians 2, he talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit is the, is the very intimacy of God resident in our lives. Because he says there that you cannot really know a person unless you know that person's spirit. That makes sense to us, doesn't it? And that is something that comes through close, approximate 
intimacy, sharing of heart, sharing of purpose, sharing of values, sharing of vision, of aspiration. And that is what we have in the Holy Spirit. In fact, in verse 16, Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. My pastor used to say, that means we think God's thoughts after him. I like that. That works. But don't miss the point. He's referring to the Holy Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. We have that intimate inner person, if you will, that seems so opaque from a distance, from across the room or on television. But no, not so with God. We have an intimate relationship through his spirit, which is resident in us. This is good advice. This is real power. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. I don't know if you've ever been drunk, but when a person's drunk, and I, this is just, uh, I'd like to say this is just from uh, reading experts, But when a person's drunk, we say they're under the influence. You see, wine was the principal intoxicant of antiquity. And that's why it's used here. And when we're under the influence, if we're under the influence of alcohol, alcohol on the brain affects our motor skills. A drunken person doesn't walk like they normally walk. They tend to stagger. Um, a person that is drunk, um, the effects of alcohol uh, change their personality a bit. Uh, it can lower inhibitions and impair our judgment. Alcohol can give us a false sense of confidence. In fact, sometimes I've heard it called liquid courage. We don't normally sometimes say what we say and do what we do if we're under the influence of alcohol. Sometimes, we take unusual risks when we're under the influence of alcohol. We have that kind of a, ah, heck, I can do that. And sometimes to tragic results. Strangest of all, I find that this uh, courage of alcohol, this uh, uh, temporary courage, leads to some of the strangest things. Above all, it leads to karaoke. <laughs> yes, alcohol 
makes people think they can sing when they can't. But seriously, we can choose. That's the point I want to make. We can choose to be under the influence, just as a person can, be, can choose to be under the influence of an artificial intoxicant, we have a choice. We have a choice in life that other people do not have. Listen to me. In Christ, you have a choice that others do not have because you have the Holy Spirit. We think we're independent and individual, making decisions for ourselves, the captain of our own ship. We're just part of a big herd. We all listen to the same things, hear the same things, watch the same things, read the same things. We are under the influence of great powers, and we'll talk about that when we get to chapter 6 of Ephesians and talk about spiritual warfare. There's not only a battle between me and my own strength and the flesh that Paul talks about, because when we choose to live the Christian life in our flesh, in our own strength, the spirit within us, if we know Christ and call him Lord, that spirit is resonant and that spirit is prompting us to make a different choice. Not to rely on our own strength, but to live in his power and strength. And that creates a battle. That creates a tension. And there's another battle that's going on, not only between the spirit in our flesh, but the spirit that is within us and this world that is ruled by the prince of the power of air. That is Satan, devil, the evil one. So the fact that we have a choice through Jesus Christ is a great privilege. And Paul says, be filled, choose to be filled. Choose to surrender yourself, to give up control of your life unto him who knows how to control better than you. When we sang the song, just the majesty of creation. I don't know if you're, when I lived in the Bay Area, people, people were, I know they grew up in the city and I don't know that they had ever gone hiking or lived out in the woods for a couple of days. I remember we were down in San Mateo for the county fair and man, the people were just swarmed. It was such an event. There was just a cow standing there in a stall. Yeah, we drive right by the cows. We don't even give them, a, give them a second thought. But there, the cow is an exotic beast. Sometimes we get so familiar with our Christian walk and, and the lingo, we, or we treat it like it's lingo instead of truth. And the realities that are ours, I mean, it really... It, it, at least it amazes me that sometimes I become somewhat casual with this great truth that I have a choice to submit my life to the management, to the direction, to the control, to the very power of him who created this universe with such perfection 
and mechanical precision that has caused scientists to devote their entire lives, generation after generation, to try and fathom how it works so well. And yet we flip God off with our preoccupation with ourselves because we are such great captains, managers, and heads of industry. No, I've got this, Lord. Paul says, we're not living the Christian life if we're living it in our own strength. We've got to be filled with the Spirit. We've got to walk according to the Spirit. We have to be led by the Spirit. We have to set our mind on the things of the Spirit. And when we're filled, we are under his influence. Just as Greeks and Romans talked about being filled with wine as an equivalent to being drunk. So we're filled with the Spirit because instead of being under the influence of an intoxicant who does damage to us, we are under the control of the Lord who manages our lives better than we could ever do. Why do we do this? Why do we make this choice? Because Paul tells us to? Well, that, if you did it because of Paul, I would really respect that. But I'll tell you why Paul tells us to do it and why we will do it. If we'll do it at all, it's because of Jesus Christ. He's our motivation. He's our hero. He's our incentive. He's the one we admire. And if you don't admire him, then what are you doing? It's his love that saved me. His grace that looked past my sins, my raunchy soul, my selfish self, looked past it all, wasn't insulted, wasn't upset, wasn't put off, didn't turn around and walk away because of the stink of my life. He went right past it and embraced me and loved me unconditionally wiped out that raunchy past, painted a beautiful future. And when I look at him and when I set my eyes on him, I see him doing beautiful things that he did to me to others, to people that I wouldn't think are deserving, people who aren't my color, my education, my financial position. None of that matters to him. He treats them just as he treats me. I admire that. That's my hero. He's earned the right to challenge me and say, I know what you ought to be doing, John, because in your power, it's destructive. Remember the poet, or have you heard the poet Wordsworth? He said, power is much more easily manifested in destroying than in creating. Does that resonate with you? It did with me. That's why I'm quoting it. Power is much more easily manifest in destroying than creating. And you know what? That was the history of my life and my own power. 
You know, when I am exercising my power, do you know how it comes out? Anger, envy, jealousy, resentment, frustration, jealousy. And do you know how it's manifest? Wreckage, damage. Because when I am acting out of my own selfishness, I am hurting others along the way. People that I love, people close to me, wife, children. You want to know what the power of the Holy Spirit is, the power of Jesus? What does he do with his power? Love, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's creative power. Every one of those is an example of creative power. That's the power that I want to bring to my life. That's the power I want to bring to my leadership. That's the power I want to bring to my marriage as a husband. That's the power I want to bring to my parenting as a father. That's the power I want to bring to my neighborhood, my driving, my friendships, every area of my life because I know love is not cheap. I know love is not weak. It cannot be bought for a dime. It cannot be found in just any place. Well, we can sing about it, we can tout it, but to find it, to embrace it, to demonstrate it, it's rare. What about kindness? What about joy? What about peace? Do you have peace? Are you angry? Did you come in today because you're angry with the world, you're angry with the president, you're angry with the warriors, you're angry about this, you're angry about that? Where's your power? In the flesh, we really have no power. And when we exercise it, it's usually in destroying things that have gained our insult or frustration because of the selfishness of our lives. If I'm not talking about you, that's okay. I'm talking about me. And that's really the source of most of my preaching. We want God's power to control us. because of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Isn't that interesting? I thought that when I gave my life to Christ, I would be losing my identity, losing my individuality, and I found it in Christ. In giving up my control, I realize the reality of true self-control. Corrie Ten Boom, Boom are, you, are you familiar with Corrie Ten Boom? She's, she died, I, I, if I remember correctly, it was 1983, so it'd be before some of your time, but um, 
Corrie Ten Boom and her family in Holland, uh, the Netherlands, they actually harbored and helped Jewish people from Germany escape, Jewish people from Holland escape the Holocaust of Nazi Germany. And in the process, they were raided, and she was arrested along with her family. In fact, those Jewish members of the family that were in their house had to hide in cramped, stuffy quarters without food or water for 45 hours before they were able to be rescued, but they were. But what I'm trying to paint a quick picture of is a devout Christian family a devout Christian woman committed because of the love of Jesus Christ, because of the power, the creative power of Jesus Christ, committed to doing justice, kindness, love, putting their own lives sacrificially on the line. This is a lady who knows what it means to stand up to something as evil as Nazism, but this is how she talks about being filled with the Spirit. She says, I have a glove here in my hand. The glove cannot do anything by itself. But when my hand is in it, it can do many things. True, it is not the glove, but my hand in the glove that acts. We are gloves. It is the Holy Spirit in us who is the hand, who does the job. We have to make room for the hand so that every finger is filled. This is good advice with power, too. That's what I'm trying to urge upon you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit who inspires Christ-likeness in what we express to others, what we appreciate around us and what we think of ourselves. I just want to share, I'm not going to, I might come back to this passage, but I want to share something with you because in these three verses, there are, some would say five, some would say four statements, I would say four statements, four ideas, if you will, that are dependent on five participles. Now, you don't have to go back and re remember all of your grammar, but I, I want to read this and show you the, uh, the five participles, okay? They all end with ing, and the first one is in verse 19, addressing. Addressing, that's the first participle. The second participle is singing, and the third is making. That's in the same verse. You see that? Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And then the fourth, the third is giving. One, two, three. The fourth is giving thanks. Do you see that? That's the fourth participle. Giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fifth participle is submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, the importance of a participle is that it is a dependent statement. And this is the point I want you to appreciate. Everything that is said in verse 19, 20, and 21 is dependent is dependent. 
grammatically, syntactically, is dependent upon being filled with the Spirit. That's your principal verb for you English majors. In other words, Paul is saying these things are a result of being filled with the Spirit. Now, some would use the grammar to dictate the number of points Paul is making. I'm going to trump that with, and I'm using it in the denotative sense, Um, I'm going to trump that with something I want you to see in each verse, because there are really three topics here, three points, I think, that Paul is making, and I'm going to explain to you why I think that is the case. Let's look at verse 19. I'll tell you, at the end of every verse, the emphasis is on Jesus Christ. That's why I think there are three major topics, and it breaks down according to the verses. So verse 19 has to do with how we express ourselves. He uses three participles to describe how we express ourselves in the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and then he couples two participles together, singing and making melody to whom? To the Lord. You need to note that. What is the object of the Holy Spirit's work? It's the Lord Jesus Christ, always. John teaches teaches us that in chapters 14 through 16 of the Gospel of John. And it's there that Jesus told his nearest disciples, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to return to the Father. But he said, I'm not going to leave you without power. I'm not going to leave you bereft. I'm not going to leave you as though you had no parent or help or friend or brother or sister. I'm going to send another just like me. And he goes on in those chapters, 14, 15, and 16, to teach his disciples in that upper room about the Holy Spirit, whom he calls the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the advisor. Those are all words that would be ways of translating the word paraclete in, uh, in Greek, which he uses of the Holy Spirit. He says, look, it's better that I go away. J.D. Greer wrote a book appropriately called Jesus Continued because Jesus was preparing his disciples to continue his work empowered in a way that he could not beside them. And that's why J.D. Greer in his book used the expression, he says, it's the spirit within us is better than Jesus beside us. And it is the creation of the church and the power of our Christian life. And so it is when we are empowered by the spirit, something's going on in the heart. That's what he's saying in verse 19. And Just as Jesus told his disciples, the Spirit will be always pointing you and promoting me and the Father, so the Spirit does. And we see it right here in 19, 20, and 21. Every verse ends with the elevation or reference to the centrality and priority of Jesus Christ. All the words and all of the melodies of life are going to come out of 
the fact that when you are filled with the Spirit, he's going to elevate your attention and your focus on Jesus Christ because it's through Jesus Christ that all the redemption, all the power of God is at work. And I'll tell you, when you put your mind and your heart on Jesus, it changes everything. Now, I do it just a mnemonic device. Have you ever heard that word, mnemonic? Um, it means to remember. And this is a, a device to help you remember. Just exhale. You know, if, if, if you feel like you've been living cruddy, been making mistakes, been rebellious toward God, been sinful, just exhale and say, Father, forgive me. And know that you're forgiven. And then breathe in and say, Father, fill me with your spirit. Take control of my life. You speak through me. You look at this situation through me. Show me the way to live in your power. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You know the rest. Creative power to make an impact where you are. Verse 20. Notice what he says here. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord in verse 19 refers to Jesus. It's repeated with the words Jesus Christ and in the name of, in his authority, because our thanks is a recognition of his grace. And his grace is everywhere. Gratitude is a response to his grace. And then, verse 21, notice again, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Maybe you hadn't noticed that before. Sometimes we're so focused. Do you know what? If I'm... I'm going to read you... I read this just last week. It, a guy said, I think verses 18 uh, through 21, he says, I think this means that if I have trouble speaking biblically, that is, informed and influenced by the truth of God's word, if I have trouble singing in my heart, if I have trouble being thankful for all things, if I have trouble submitting when God commands it, I do not need to work on my speaking, singing, thanking, or submitting, but need to obey the command to be filled with the Spirit. And that really is the, the agency. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask you to admit to this, but I'm going to admit it to you because it's fundamental to what the Bible teaches. To me... I am the most important person in the world. I admit that. I'm not trying to make too much of it. It's, a, it's just a reality. I've, I've made a commitment to love my wife, and I've tried to be true to that and be faithful to that. But the biggest obstacle to doing that is me. I'm, I'm really the one who is by default, the most important person in my world. To be honest with you, everything revolves around me. I don't want it to be that way, but that's the way 
it kind of naturally is. I've been a Christian many, many years. I've been in the ministry longer than I care at this point to admit. And it's always been about learning to put him first. And when it says that we submit ourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ, I can't, in light of what I just shared with you, if, if you can relate to that at all, in light of that, I want you to know there is no higher form of worship than when you submit your life to Jesus Christ and you say, you take over. You speak through me. You help me to be that good child or good son or good daughter or good father or good mother, good husband or good wife, good brother or sister, good grandma or grandpa, good co-worker, good boss, good citizen, good neighbor. Lord, you help me to do that. Because if you're not in control, then none of that really matters as much as me. And there is no more fit and honorable recognition of who you are and worship than when I say, you be Lord of my life. Because otherwise, we're sitting on the throne by default. But when he's on the throne, we will find that we are able to value others and submit to others in ways that naturally, humanly, and by default, we would not. And thus it is, that's what we're called to do when Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. Because when he is on the throne, there's new life. You stand with me. I'm going to pray. I want to remind you after I pray, I'm going to be down here along with pastors, uh, elders, their wives. Listen, if you've never, I don't know what you, you, you may be visiting and unfamiliar with prayer or any of this. You may be more intrigued than anything and want to learn more. That, please, that's what we're here for. But if you're here this morning and you have never submitted your life, surrendered your life, said, you be God, you be Lord of my life, we hope, I hope, it's my prayer that you would pray that, that prayer and submit your life in faith and let God reveal himself to you through his son, Jesus Christ. We invite you, if you'd like to pray that prayer with us. Maybe you'd like to pray with us to intercede for someone else or ask us to intercede for you. Whatever is on your heart, if you'd like to share it with us, with the Lord in prayer, we invite you to come. Father, thank you. Thank you. Really, Lord, how could we say anything higher or more beautiful than to say, Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your great love. It is in the matchless name of Jesus that we give you praise and thanks. And all of God's people said, God bless you.